0: It's the Daytona 500 on Sunday, the Super Bowl of Racing, and it kicks off the final full-time year of NASCAR racing for Jimmy Johnson. What is his legacy, and not just in racing, but in all of sport? And Denny Hamlin has a chance to do something only five other drivers have done, and that's win the Daytona 500 for a third time. What are his chances of going back-to-back? We've got all that and some college football talk with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times, and you'll hear my interview with Rays pitcher Brent Honeywell who's coming off Tommy John surgery and an elbow fracture, but could be on the mound this season. And he'll give you his thoughts on the Houston Astros as well on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, it's race week, baby. Daytona 500, it is on Sunday. And the guy who covers that and college football for us, of course, is Matt Baker, and he joins us now. Matt, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting week, of course, or weekend over there in Daytona for a lot of reasons. Uh, you wrote a story, or we're we'll working on a story for this Sunday that people should read on TampaBay.com and the Tampa Bay Times. On uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, look, they've lost, NASCAR has lost a lot of great names, right, a lot of legends over the last few years. Uh, probably none bigger than this guy who's in his final year of, of racing just put in perspective just sort of uh what his legacy is in that sport or in sports in general and also how he's thought of uh in around the garages.
1: Yeah, so obviously this is his last full time season. He's gonna be involved in racing in some capacities going forward. A race here or there, that sort of thing. And he's earned the right obviously to <clears throat> to to do what he wants going forward. Um I mean, you look, obviously, seven uh, NASCAR championships is absurd. It, you know, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt are the only guys who can match that. 83 wins, a couple Daytona 500s. He's done just about everything you can accomplish. And, and I would argue, based on kind of the way NASCAR is right now, where the margins are so small. It's not like it used to be, where somebody could just have a car that's that much better than everybody else. Ever. Right. It's not like that. So I would argue what Jimmy has done over his career— I think he's the, probably the greatest driver in NASCAR history, probably mm. the greatest driver in North American history. <clears throat> and then I would go further. I put him alongside the, what do you want to say, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, uh, Ruth, that sort of thing, in terms of most dominant athletes in American sports ever. I, I mean, I think he has been that good when you look at, again, the era that he was in, how dominant he was for such a stretch. Uh, again the, the seven championships is is, is just uh, absurd and i think you know he didn't really have a weakness he won in different styles with the playoffs and the chase and the old formats and that sort of thing he evolved over his career as well as anybody um and, and leaves a, a huge you know he's going to leave a huge hole in the sport i mean you can go even further the way he changed nascar nascar you used to have kind of the reputation guys drink you know drivers drinking beer smoking cigarettes not athletes well jimmy change that i mean jimmy raced into freaking boston marathon last year and it wasn't like he was a bum either who just got a spot because of a gatorade sponsorship no he is a very 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 good athlete you could put him you know give him the right training go back a little bit when in his prime um put him in any sport and he would be okay i mean he's just that good of an athlete i think um and then i guess you know being at daytona 500 media day yesterday or wednesday I went and asked everybody, uh, "What's your favorite Jimmy Johnson story?" And mm-hmm. what I found out was kind of surprising to me. I mean, I, I've talked to him before. He seems like a nice enough guy. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know him as a human being, but sure. the people who do know him and who have competed against him and alongside him for years, I'll talk about what a genuine dude he is, and they back it up with stories. Um, you know, Martin Truex Jr. said, "You ever need anything, you give Jimmy a call." Um, mm. I, I've heard from so many of the guys who. You know, uh, Alex Bowman, and now one of his teammates, said, "Now I was on a different team. I had a really, you know, we're a, a team that struggled, where if I could finish 25th that day, that was a really good day. And, and I had a really good day one time. Uh, again, finished 20th or whatever. Jimmy comes over to me and says, hey, I know your car wasn't very good, but you drove the hell out of that thing. Great job. So just imagine, you know, at that time Jimmy was, what, five-time champion or whatever, going to a young guy who just got 20th place or whatever, and going out of his way to, to, to talk him up and, and give him a high five or whatever and everybody in the garage has that kind of a story and that to me is kind of one of the legacies that that jimmy's going to have in, in the sport and in the garage it's just being a uh you know in addition to being a champion a great driver who uh pushed his his sport to another level in terms of what was expected of the drivers just being a really good dude that the sport's going to miss
0: you know, and I mentioned at the top that they've, you know, over the last few years, Dale Earnhardt Jr., of course, Jeff Gordon. I mean, there's been a lot of guys. Tony uh, Stewart. Names, Matt Tony Stewart. Kenseth, yeah. Carl Edwards.
1: I mean, it's, Kane. it's just.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't end. So I guess, I mean, who is next, right? Who are the next big stars in NASCAR? And how much is this sport suffering, maybe, from uh, the, the, the lack of, of those giants, you know, being there every weekend?
1: Oh, it's definitely suffering. Um, I, I think to some degree, Jimmy you know, Jimmy was a great thing in NASCAR. I'm not going to say otherwise. But it, his domination also kind of put a little bit of fatigue. Oh, Jimmy Johnson's going to win again. Um, mm. I, I certainly know some fans who kind of felt that way. I mean, my dad being one of them. Um, so, but yeah, as you, go, as you go forward, you look at all those people. Um, a, a generation of, of, of fans have lost the driver's that they grew up rooting for, and that's hard to replace. Um, just because, you know, there are guys who are really good. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. is a very, very good racer. Kyle Busch could race the heck out of anything and do really well. I mean, again, he, he, he's not on the Jimmy Johnson level, but he is a great, great driver um, who, when all is said and done, we might be talking about him as one of the best in NASCAR history, too. The problem is there's not, you know, those are still kind of the older Wave of who's in here now. There, I don't see a lot of the great younger drivers making waves. I mean, I think everybody's still waiting, you know, waiting for Chase Elliott to go from a good driver to a great driver, and maybe he can start building the buzz and that sort of thing. Uh, maybe same thing with, with Ryan Blaney, who's had some success with Team Penske, but hasn't kind of crossed that echelon. And, and you know, those guys with their last names, their dad's history, maybe they can be kind of the bridges uh, from mm-hmm. the, the past to to the future. But this hasn't quite happened yet.
0: One of those drivers, of course, as you mentioned, is Denny Hamlin, who has a chance to do something that hasn't been done uh, very uh, much in, uh, in the race's history. And that is when his third Daytona 500, of course, he's the defending champion, has some Tampa ties. Uh, tell, us, tell us about Hamlin and, and just uh, what, are, what are his, uh, his prospects for uh, making history? How conscious of, of that is he?
1: Yeah, Denny Hamlin knows history. I mean, he, he's not hes not a dumb guy. He was, yeah. he was born in Tampa, moved to, I think it was Virginia when he was about two years old. Um, still has some family here in the Bay Area. Um, but yeah, he's won two Daytona 500s, and, and he's done that really by kind of transforming who he is. He, he came up in the short tracks, uh, and that was who he was, and he kind of struggled over his uh, early career. I think his average finish at Daytona was like, 21.5 through the wow. first 16 times he raced there. And then he started studying Tony Stewart and, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., who were always good at these tracks, your Daytonas and Talladegas. Yeah. And he started to figure out that they're really good at mitigating risk.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Now, that doesn't mean you don't take a chance and, and make a risky move. It means you're smart about when you do that. You're you're, you're more calculated. Um. So he just learned from that. If things start getting dicey and he feels that something is going to happen, he's okay dropping back in the pack. And, you know, let those guys duke it out up front. I'm going to stay in the back where, if there's a big one, I'm not going. You know, my chances of getting through it are better. So that way, I'll be around on lap 180 and 190 with a chance to win it. So that, that's the type of stuff that he's learned over the years, and that's why he's won, you know, two of the last what is it, four or five Daytona 500s, and should probably be in contention to win on Sunday. And if he does, he'd be the the seventh driver in NASCAR history to win three of them.
0: Wow. That's, that's amazing. You know, you you mentioned Jimmy Johnson and just uh, the athlete that he is. And I think people lose uh, perspective of course, of what it's like to compete in this sport from a physical standpoint. But you wrote a story about Ross Chastain, who's attempting to do something this weekend that that might be a little crazy. Um, (laughs) and, and, And when you talk about endurance, um, he's going to have to have that and then some. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so he is going to try to race every race this weekend. So uh, as we talk Thursday morning, there's the the duels tonight. So if right. he makes it to the end, that's sixty laps, one hundred and fifty miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the truck race on Friday, hundred laps, two hundred fifty miles. The Xfinity race on Saturday, one hundred and twenty laps, three hundred miles. Then uh, again, if he makes it to the end, that'd be two hundred miles or two hundred laps, five hundred miles for the Daytona five hundred so that's 480 laps 1200 miles in four days um that's that's a lot you know we can debate whether nascar drivers are are athletes and all of that but that's a lot on your body so you know i kind of asked him how how is he preparing for it and you know obviously you know coffee in the morning jog in the morning um trying to eat really healthy go to bed early he's got it you know it's from uh kind of in the Fort Myers area, uh, I think it's like an eighth-generation watermelon farmer, which is a different story altogether, but um, <laughs> he's got a, got a ton of family over there, and you know, he's kind of said, all right, well, when about time dinner's over, i got to go to bed because i got to rest. Um, and, and there's some other things, too, in terms of, uh, you know, he mashes the brake harder than the the gas pedal at most of these tracks, so he's going to do more leg lifts and stuff on his right leg so it balances out. And wow. you, you do the math in terms of how many times he's going to turn the car left versus how many yeah. times he's going to turn it right. So yeah. he's going to do some, uh, you know, just kind of m- more workouts to turning, it, uh, turning the steering wheel right, not with the steering wheel itself, but just holding up a 20-pound weight, turning it to the right some, so that way his muscles wow. kind of even out and his body will be in okay shape before and after.
0: How different is it if you know? Uh, to handle uh, the different, you know, vehicles in, in the truck series versus the Infinity series versus the NAS- NASCAR race, I mean, it, it, it's a different, it's a different type of driving, right? A little bit. Same track, yeah. right? But
1: yeah, yeah, same track. You're right. It, it's they're all just different in their own way, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously the the Cub series that is the the fastest and has its own challenges, but the trucks are a different kind, and the level right. of competition is different. The level of cars on the track is different. You know, just everything about it is different, and you know that's why one of the reasons why I talk about Kyle Busch, I, I think, it's going to be, you know, when he, his career is said and done, we'll talk about him as a, as a great in, in the sport too, um, because he's been able to continue doing that across levels, I and mean, he still races in, in some of the, the feeder series a little bit just because he wants to, and he's won more than 200 times across all three of the NASCAR National Series, which is a pretty remarkable achievement on his own.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's going to be great, great uh, race weekend, of course. Before I get you out, you uh, cover college football for us. We haven't had a chance to chat in just a minute. Uh, wanted to get your impressions or your thoughts on uh, Mel Tucker, who, of course, was at Colorado, um, you know, has said some things about, uh, you know, wanting to stay there, about uh, transfers and other things. But, look, I-, I mean, I think like any of us, there's also the side where you where opportunity, you know, comes and, and a chance to double his salary and go to Michigan State, which I was surprised, you know, had at least initially it seemed a little trouble maybe getting their guy. Um, what do you make of, of the whole Mel Tucker to Michigan State saga?
1: You know, Rick, I was about ready to make my case for why I should be the next head coach of Michigan <laughs> right? State. Look, here, here's the thing, Rick. I'm from the Big Ten country. I went to <laughs> yeah. school in the Big Ten. I Got have it. worked in Texas, and Oklahoma, or Texas, Oklahoma, and Florida, which is some very nice high school football states. Yeah. So I think I could recruit there. I, I mean, it was seriously <laughs> getting to that point where like, who the heck wants this job? <laughs> and, and there are some very valid reasons why. You know, With, with Antonio's exit, there are some major questions about the uh, direction and the trajectory and everything that's gone on and the football program and the athletic department as a whole when you, you factor in some of the Larry Nassar stuff. So there are some issues there. Uh, at Michigan State, which led them to the problems that, that they were in in terms of how hard it was to get to get a coach. Um, maybe Mel Tucker will do fine. I mean, what he won five games at Colorado, so I, I am. You know, the the jury is still very much out. I think where he kind of aired was going so strong in the "I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying," yeah. and I, I understand why he did it. Because, and I understand that things change in terms of that I'm sure that the money and everything changed, but it's just such a bad look to say, I'm staying, I'm staying, and then change your mind a couple of days later. Um, so I, I think that's to some degree, I, I don't love it the, the, the Jimbo Fisher approach of I'll never talk about another job. Mm. Um, I, I, again, I don't love it because sometimes I think it's disingenuous. Sometimes it would behoove somebody that to get out in front of a story, um, and, but on the other side is if you never talk about another job, then you're never in a situation where, you know, you're saying, what was it, what Saban said, I'm not the head coach, of, the next head coach at Alabama and then leaves the Dolphins two days later or whatever. So yeah, yeah. in some cases, silence is the best. It's just just such a weird dance with the way these things played out, especially with the timing of this. Um, it, was just, it was just weird. And in a few years, if Tucker does well at Michigan State, I don't think many people will look back on this and if Tucker doesn't do well at Michigan State, I don't think people will look back on it either, you know. What he does going forward is all that's going to matter with, with him and Sparty.
0: Yeah, DeAntonio uh, did not leave him in a great situation. And, Of course, the whole contract situation where he waited to to get his 4.2 million dollars or whatever it was um probably also <laughs> wasn't a wasn't a good thing for uh, for Sparty.
1: Uh, it's, it's 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 unbelievable. It, um It's just unbelievable the way these contracts are and and the way schools continually get played. Now, it's easy for me to say here because I'm not an AD trying to get the guy that I think is going to win me games and championships. So it's a lot easier to second-guess and and say that. But it's not like D'Antonio is the only coach in America that's been in for, you know, has had contracts where he's gotten big bonuses like that. And and Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, after a while you, you kind of think, eventually something has to change with the sport where you're, you're not going to have guys getting $4 million and then walking away two weeks later. And they're not, you know, the, the kind of side sidecar of that is schools negotiating against themselves and giving big extensions and, and raises when their guy, you know, their coach isn't a hot commodity. There aren't people calling to take them. So, um, I mean, Remember, Jim McElwain got got a raise at, at at Florida early on and was out not much long afterwards. So right. that's the yeah. type of stuff that you know was one of the reasons why college football's in the issue it is. Is it's a lot of uh, ADs making decisions that are easy to first guess and really easy to second guess when they lead to situations like uh, what happened with Antonio and Michigan State.
0: It's difficult uh, contracts with all the buyouts and things like that. It's just kind of a mess right now with with coaching and in, in college football. But speaking of which, uh, just uh, get you out on this, I promise, uh, Jeff Scott, uh, look, I think he's brought a lot of energy to USF, if nothing else. Uh, any gauge on sort of, you know, with the late start they had, w- what kind of recruiting class he was able to spackle together?
1: I, I, it's incomplete. That's a bad answer. It's bad radio, bad podcast. But I, I think the same thing with him and Mike Norvell at Florida State. It's right. very much incomplete just because they had so little time to put things together. Exactly. I, I don't know how they're going to work out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Scott's class was was fine, all things considered. I, I think, you know, Norvell at Florida State, it was their worst of the rivals era, if you look at the ranking.
2: That's but right. you could
1: also view that a different way. You can look at it in terms of in the early signing period era, era where, mm-hmm. again, new coaches have been su- at such a disadvantage. His class, I think, was the depending on how you look at it, fourth or fifth, sixth best uh, of all the new coaches over the last three years. So you can glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing. Um, It's just so hard to tell. I I think, you know, I'm sure they they got some good players in there that are going to help, but the real test to me is going to be what happens in the next recruiting class because a lot of these guys are not going to work out just because that's Mm -hmm. the situation everybody was dealt. So how are, are Scott and Norvell going to be able to Kind of recruit over them and, and recruit guys to replace them and recruit for the long-term health of the program. That's to me the better test of, of who these guys are as coaches and recruiters. Not this February at slash last December. It's the next one.
0: That's right. They have to outlast all the turnover that they've had at those programs, and um, that's just something they'll have to do. Uh, Matt Baker will be at the Daytona 500 and race weekend, of course, and then you can read him in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Matt.
3: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on
1: linkedin.com slash achieve today.
0: Rays pitchers and catchers are in camp in Port Charlotte, and they'll be thrown off the mound. Of course, one guy that they're happy to see back in the fold anyway is Brent Honeywell. You remember, he was one of their top prospects, and a couple years ago ended up having to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, on his rehab uh, last year, he then uh, had a uh, an elbow fracture, so that set him back even further. He's now on the recovery trail, and uh, it looks like he'll be available to them possibly late May, early June. Really a bright uh, young prospect, a guy that uh, throws a screwball, has a lot of opinions. He's a very confident guy. And I had a chance to sit down with him at the Rays Fan Fest and chat with him, not just about where he's at in his rehab, but also uh, some things that are going on in baseball, including his take on the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal. So here's my interview with Rays pitcher Brent Honeywell. All right, Brent Honeywell joins us now. And Brent, it's great to see you, of course, uh, back and uh, throwing again from, uh, I guess, 75 feet. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel right now? How are things progressing in terms of your rehab
3: um, things are going. Things are going moving along really quickly. Actually, uh, yeah. I was back to ninety feet this week. Oh wow! Um, I'll start back up on Monday. Four days a week. So everything's been everything's been going in the right direction. I've had uh, four or five really good days in a row. So that's great. It's uh, we're looking up a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, you've been through quite an ordeal. Everybody knows, of course, the Tommy John surgery, and then you're working your way back, and you have the elbow situation. So. I know it's a physical grind, right? I mean, that's that's the work you have to put in. But mentally, how have you been able to to try to keep a handle on that?
3: Uh, it's been. I'd be lying if I said it was easy. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been tough. There's been there's been a couple stretches where it's been the worst two years of my life. Right. I mean, there's been some stretches where it's like you know I I wouldn't trade them in for anything just for the sole fact being that you know the work that I did put in I know is going to carry me a long way through yeah. this game. So, um. I can't thank these guys enough here, especially <clears throat> uh, Eric and and uh, the front office guys who have. You know, I can't I can't thank those guys enough, especially our training staff who's been with me for the past two years and yeah. from top to bottom. I know we got one of the best training staffs in the game, so um, I, I I appreciate those guys.
0: Probably the hardest part is, of course, what you could do for this ball club when you're ready, when you're healthy again. And having to watch and not be out there to help them—that's got to be frustrating yeah. at times, right? Yeah,
3: that's uh, that's the uh, that's my number one. That's that's the hardest part for me. Is, yeah, you know, I I love baseball enough to where it it uh, I, I love this game as a fan. Number one, then number two is being being the player. And, yeah. Uh, I watch a I watch a whole heck of a lot of baseball, <laughs> and uh, getting it taken away, even though I'm not out of the game, is right. It's tough. That, that it hurt for a while, so. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. So everything, everything's everything been going well, and yeah. like I said, I, I appreciate everybody who's been with me along the way.
0: When you watch the Rays and you see what they were able to accomplish last year, how much will that carry over, do you think, in this clubhouse? You know these guys. You've been around a lot of them. You see the confidence growing. The expectations are there, but I think you're a ball club that's going to embrace that, right?
3: No doubt. I think, uh, you know, from playing with these guys in the minor leagues, is the, the times that I did is you yeah. know when – Winning is contagious with us, and I think that's that's scary. <laughs> it's scary because you know winning it is contagious, and I know these guys they they got a taste of the postseason, and I yeah. think that. Uh, I mean, there's there's some there's there's guys who win and only win on this team, and I know that I know for a fact that we're we're going to have a we're, we're a tough team to handle.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you watch, uh, you know, you think about it, a potential rotation, right? Blake Snell, Tyler Glass, now. And then, and then of course Charlie Morton, and then you come back. I mean, there, this is really building a, a, a you know a staff that it's be tough to beat every series, right?
3: All right. Yeah. Uh, that's. I, I kind of. I think I said that. I may I said that last year too. Yeah. Whenever I was.
0: You predicted was it. Yeah.
3: Battling back from from the. I, just, I, I know these guys are strong, and I know that at the head of the rotation, you know, we got Snell, Glass, now, and Morton. So it's. People cling to Charlie Morton. And yeah. Charlie Charlie is a he's – he's a nice guy to have in your clubhouse. And he's uh, – the other thing is he's probably a – he's 100% a good person. Yeah. And I think the number one thing – he likes to win. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, when Snell, we, he, he came down to, to Durham whenever I was there in 17. And I just told him, I said, hey, man, like we win here. <laughs> like, that's this is the number one thing we're doing. We're winning. That's right. And I know for – I mean, you got – everybody on this team competes yeah. and i think that's the biggest thing is that these guys compete at a very very high level and when you start now in my opinion there's two things you know you play it you play at a high level but when you start competing and you just don't know how to lose right you start it, it you start carries playing. over yeah. Right? yeah i mean no that's doubt. what you
0: guys won championships at durham yeah. and now the same group of guys yeah. are winning them here
3: yeah and there's no doubt like i said man when winning, I was happy that those guys got to see the postseason last year. I really wish I could have been there. Yeah, but I was at home. The atmosphere, at home, though, so I don't
0: man. know if it came through, but this building was oh, electric, man. like we have never seen Incredible. it in six or seven years. Incredible. I mean, and yeah. the
3: thing is, you know, it, we win, man. Like we, we we're young. Yeah. We fight. Yeah. We win, and I think when the scary thing is with a young team is that when they when they smell blood of the it. Water, yeah. and water and it's go time and I think these guys like I I think I said a little earlier too like we've we've seen we've seen a lot of a lot more guys down here and that I've seen down here early 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 on in a while while. and and I mean that just tells me that we're ready to go
0: yeah no doubt well the success was great of course you've had a lot of success one of your your big pitches everybody wants to talk about is the screwball and you have a relationship with Mike Marshall who I knew back used to coach at St. Leo and of course, with the Dodgers and stuff, tell us how that all evolved for you, and and, and the ability to throw that pitch.
3: Well, I think uh, the easiest way to say it is, is that I, I, I've learned how to pitch at a very young age. I learned how to throw properly at a very young age, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of people. My dad took a lot of time with me, and. You know, it just kinda evolved into the screwball, but you know, it wasn't like, hey, this is a screw I'm gonna show you how to throw it. It was a whole two year process right. where it was, you know, this is the change up, we're gonna go into a change up, into a changeup screw ball, and then into the actual screwball itself. And I think yeah, when I enjoyed that. Like I enjoyed the process of learning how to do something and it took me a while to figure it out. But the then master, again I learned yeah, man, yeah, I learned how to throw strikes that way. Yeah. I learned how to throw I think I was the, that was the biggest thing is that I was a, I was a strike thrower. But uh yeah, Mike is uh, Mike did a lot for this game. he did. And I think it it goes a little unnoticed, but yeah, Mike did a whole heck of a lot for this game.
0: I noticed that you've added the junior to the to the jersey. Tell us about that.
3: Uh well my dad played for the Pirates in eighty eight and ninety and um a lot of the good ones have it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's Griffey, true. Ken Grivy, yeah. I mean you know he, an ode it's to your a, father, and, and yeah, yeah, it is.
3: It's a you know, I, I've got a I got fifty nine on my back right now, but yeah, I've, moved, I've changed it to forty five. I don't know if that's come out yet, but I changed it to forty five. Okay. My dad played that's at forty five.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
3: And um, he uh, I mean he he gave me this game. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, both of my parents have always they've always they they know they just I think both both of them really know what this game means to me and and what how appreciative I am of everybody who's been along. It's a nice it, gesture, the way. yeah.
0: Okay, I know you had to watch a lot of baseball, would rather have been out there playing while you're going through your rehab. Houston Astros, we saw them you know, beat this team in five games, then the story comes out as a pitcher. How hard is that to learn that uh, the guys are, are stealing them that way? Everybody's trying to get signs right, but is that something you have to be aware of anyway? But this took it to another level, right?
3: I can't, I can't really speak on the you know do what to I can't speak on I was never there I never got picked by using a camera right I think it's I think it's wrong uh I think it is it's it's unfortunate and I think I think it's wrong, and I and I do I, I got pretty strong feelings about it. And I think you know I think a lot of people do have strong feelings about it. And I think the other thing is too is that it affects people very differently. That does. Like you're talking about putting guys in a position that were on that club that didn't need to be in that position, and That's you're talking right. about other people. Like now, okay, well they play for different teams. It's like yeah, you know. I think it was a little lax. I think I think the punishment was a little lax. Um, we've yet to have anybody come out and really say, hey, you know, sorry about that. or right. You know, basically be remorseful at all. Right. Um, you can tell me how accountable you were in and out as much as you want to. But the fact of the matter is is that you took something away from someone's family. And not only that, is that you took something away from somebody's career.
0: And, and that's the thing. I think people, you know, don't realize that if I'm. You know, those are my numbers that I go to arbitration with. That's how I. That's my profession. That's how I make my living. And and you're doing something to affect me negatively that way.
3: Yeah. Um, the I think the the biggest thing that I look at is that I'm coming back from two pretty critical injuries, and now knowing that that's still out there to be. You know, however, I I would much rather face a guy that was on the sauce. Yeah. 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 And that, and that from, from coming from me, that says, that a says whole a lot whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Because yeah.
0: You don't want to do that either. But if you had to choose, yeah, it's I mean, less of an advantage than if I know what you're throwing. Right. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I think I've, I've been, I've been down for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm probably the cleanest player <laughs> there is. <laughs> right. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like steroid using. I don't like, I don't like the electronic sign stealing. I don't like any of that. And I think, if you had to pick one of the two, I'd much rather play a guy. Absolutely. And they still have to hit the ball, and they still don't know what I'm throwing. That's so, right. That's right. You're talking about people who are making $100 million over there for being so-called good at baseball. <clears throat> and, you know, I just think you, you put a couple people in a position where it's, uh, you know, what? What's someone gonna do? Someone gonna st- is a well, player gonna st- is he gonna set his foot down and say, "Hey, you should stop this." And if he, even if he does, it's like you know that doesn't right. That's not gonna really do very much. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I just it's it's unfortunate. And I think what everybody, I think the same way. A fan of the game, thinks. yeah.
0: So I know you're a big fan as well and as a player. Yeah.
3: I think the fan in me wants to say. If a bank robber robbed a bank and never got caught, would he do it again? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and he ain't gonna stop. Yeah, until yeah. he gets busted again. And yeah. I think, you know, it's, just, it's just me. I don't. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it at all.
0: Well, you're coming back, you're working hard. So we're—I uh, I know timetables are things that are evolving, right? But what's your hope this year? Sometime May, June, uh, be be back out.
3: Uh, you know, I'm not—I'm not too too sure just yet. Everything is still kind of tentative. You know, last year I kind of—I looked i looked a little far ahead, and I think that's what kind of yeah bit me in the tail. Just you, you learn bit. how to go
0: day to day, don't you? This yeah, and yeah.
3: Uh, you know you got to take it day by day, and you got to yeah. listen to what your arms saying to you, and you got to listen to what your body's telling Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah. And I think when. Uh,
0: when it's ready it's ready yeah,
3: and i mean and right now we're on the right track and i think we're we're on the track as you know as soon as possible and i think that's the, the biggest thing is is we're, we like i said these guys have been smart enough yeah for me because you know me i'm throw 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 and throw you know of i'm trying to get back out there as soon as possible and they've been they've been a really big help to me and yeah. uh, so i think the tentative plan may be june some it was around june or something yeah. like that yeah um but I don't know. Everything, like I said, man, so tentative with this that you wake up one day and you're stiff and you're like, <laughs> "Damn, I'm kind of stiff." Yeah. And then it's, "Hey, we got it. We're going to give you a day or two, and then everything kind of shuffles around." So it, uh, yeah. Everything, everything's going well. Everything's going well.
0: One of the bright young pitching prospects at the Rays are waiting to have this year. Brent Honeywell, ladies and gentlemen, thanks, Brent. So a pretty busy weekend. Of course, the Lightning hosts the Philadelphia Flyers at Amelie Arena on Saturday. Then you have. We've got XFL football this weekend. The Vipers are at Seattle, and you might see Quentin Flowers, former USF quarterback, has a chance to play a little more than he did in the opener. And it's NBA All Star weekend. So, busy weekend in sports. We'll talk about all of that on Monday on the podcast. Thanks for listening. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.